You are now listening to Cult Cinema Catacombs. These films exist. know much about it so mm-hmm. so well i'll i'll bring it and then i'll just toss it over to you i'll be like this is i picked this because i know that you like it and i want to see it and i was oh. never going to have the opportunity until i'm you know we made it happen so you've you've picked a good one for this episode mister you really have welcome <laughs> to cult cinema catacombs folks and welcome to uh welcome back to our uh, musical month and andy has pulled out um, it's weird because last month we did creme de, creme de la creme cult films that we've never seen before, and you're kind of carrying that theme over again this month. We're coming up uh, on our five year, man. We gotta yeah. we gotta go big. So so yeah, Phantom of the Paradise from 1974 is definitely up there with creme de la creme, and I'm glad you bought the Shout Factory copy because this was released by Fox. So. You know, since Disney owns this, it's probably never going to be released again after that <laughs> that Shout Factory release. Um, what do you know of Phantom of the Paradise? I mean, besides besides the fact that I know that De Palma did it, and besides the fact that I know that Paul Williams is like the in it guy, mm-hmm. you know. And, and it comes up on lists of stuff all the time, but I've never seen it. I've never heard a song from it. Oh wow! Yeah, you're I just you're gonna, really you're gonna be seeking you're gonna be seeking out the soundtrack after this because there's some great songs in it. Um, yeah, the uh, we got Paul Williams as Swan, uh, who also wrote all the music for the film. Uh, what, is, what was Paul? I'm gonna be a dumbass. I'm gonna be a dumbass because I don't I can't off the top of my head. What what relationship does Paul Williams have to music? Uh, he is mainly a songwriter. I mean, he sings music himself, but he's a lot of the songs that he has written were performed by um, the Carpenters, uh, okay. uh, yep. Captain and Tennille. Um, yep. He's the he's the one who gave us the Rainbow Connection from the Muppet yes. movie. I, I'm I'm with it now. Yeah, I'm with him. Okay, I'm, and, it took a second to unlock that part of my brain, but yes, there it is. And plus, also, he's in the Smokey and the Bandit movies. So, you know, you got that. Um, but, yeah, he's he's got some great songs that he wrote for this one. Um, Old Souls, Special to Me, uh, The Hell of It. I mean, yeah, you're going to you're going to want this soundtrack after you're done watching it. Um, so we have uh, William Finley, who plays our main protagonist, Winslow, uh, who becomes the Phantom. Uh, we have Jessica Harper. Uh, as Phoenix, who is okay. the who is the kind of like the Christine character uh, from the Phantom of the Opera, so she's kind of in that role in here. Okay. Um, 
And we also have a very hilariously seen stealing Garrett Graham as <laughs> Beef. Okay. Um, all I will tell you about his character is is that he represents glam rock when glam rock was just starting at this point. Um, in fact, the film is a heavy parody of the musical genres that were kind of going on in that time period, like the whole uh, nostalgia thing with 50s music. Um, Sha Yeah, basically. Yeah, there's a variation of Sha called the Juicy Fruits. No. That, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that um, is performing music, and then at one point they even do a parody of the Beach Boys with them about um, a song about carburetors. Okay. Um, <laughs> this, the song is called Upholstery. Uh, it's ri- it's ridiculous. It's it's written right. to be ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I mean it's it's a great film. It was filmed here in Dallas, Texas, actually. Okay. Uh, so you may recognize some of the buildings uh, in, in this in this film. Uh, the Majestic Theater downtown was the paradise. Really? Yep. All right. Uh, um, a records building downtown was um, uh, the building for Swan Records. And Swan's Mansion is actually the Red Brick Courthouse Museum down by uh the sixth floor museum in dealey plaza oh god so, <laughs> so so it's like just when you're watching those scenes where they're at at, at 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 swan mansion just know that right across the street is where jfk got yeah. shot uh, so, <laughs> um but this uh phantom of the paradise is a combination of the phantom of the opera okay i'm um, also Faust, and okay. and the picture of Dorian Gray. Holy shit! All right. Yeah, it's it's this great little mixture of these three uh, stories. It is a comedy. It is a, it is a musical. It does have horror elements to it, uh, but it is hilarious. It's so much fun, um, and I cannot wait for you to watch this one. I really can't. This is this is a great one. And I'm, yeah, you're excited. Yeah, and, for sure. And if you, I'm going to go ahead and answer the question for you right now. Yes, I do believe Paul Williams was high on cocaine while making this movie, uh, because he's got some moments in this film where you're just like, "Ooh, you're on the good stuff, aren't you?" Just gnawing, just ar ar ar. Yeah, <laughs> those big teeth he has already. Yeah. So you got those those big teeth under that Doctor Zayas hair of his, and you're just like, <laughs> oh boy, calm down, calm down. Yes, good, <laughs> good. I'm excited. Like it's it just became musical month on a whim for us a little bit, and that's I mean, so many. It's funny how many movies that we've done border on or are i was thinking about it like musicals mm. like kiss um uh, liquid sky has huge musical elements to it um you know all of these movies that we've done a lot of them border on musicals there's just something about it that ties in with our kind of movie so well it's mm. great love it Speaking of musical, before we get to Phantom of the Paradise, I have to tell you, I finally sat down and watched Stunt Rock. You did, yes. Oh, 
Like, first of all, we finally have a companion film to Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. Oh, no. Yes. Um, the concept of this film, first of all, you can definitely tell it was filmed in 1978 because it has every ugly 70s choice crammed <laughs> into this film from the couch from the like the couches to the throws that are on the couches to the clothing choices to the hairstyles to the car you name it everything that was fugly in the 70s is <laughs> in this movie the the over the top mutton chops um and just just questionable decisions being made um the concept of the film is is this this, this stuntman from australia who's known as kind of like australia's version of evil knievel gets hired to be a stuntman on this action show in the united states it just so happens that his uh, i don't know if it's his brother or if it's his cousin they never really clearly explain um is playing lucifer for a rock band called sorcery which I learned apparently was a huge band in the 70s up to the early 80s. I never heard of them until now, but apparently they were a huge thing and they were known for not only doing heavy metal, not heavy metal, but progressive heavy metal, I guess. Oh, is way to describe math rock. It. Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, but also doing this act on stage where it was Merlin versus Lucifer. And when Merlin and Lucifer were battling each other, it was they were doing like David Copperfield style magic. Oh, no. So 50% of the film is concert footage of sorcery and these magic acts. And the other 50% is the stunt work. Um, and the guy talking, there's this woman who has all the acting ability of soap foam. Uh, who's playing a reporter and she's getting an interview with the, the stunt man trying to figure out you know, what is it that makes him do this stuff and blah, 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 blah. And he's, you know, talking about stunts that went wrong and we get to see these stunts that went wrong and everything. And it's, it's disjointed, but at the same time I had a blast with it mainly because of the sorcery concert footage. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm here for it. But uh, I highly recommend Stunt Rock. It's especially if you want a time capsule of just how bananas the '70s were. This film does it. It it has it encapsulated. Okay. I mean, like, I where did you see it? You bought it, right? No, actually, someone has uploaded it to YouTube. I sent you the link to oh, it on you, YouTube. Yes. Okay. Uh, so watch it before it gets taken down, because <laughs> I think Kino, I think Kino Lober now owns the rights to Stunt Rock. So, okay. but yeah, I mean, watch it and tell me it's not a companion piece to Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park, because okay. of just how ridiculous the sorcery segments are with the magic tricks and everything. <laughs> I, I will absolutely watch it. I thought that I didn't think that. It was I, I didn't think it was there. I thought you bought it somewhere. So I will I will definitely watch it for sure. Yes. And then also I finally watched the Barn movies, part one. Yes. 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 <laughs> finally saw the Barn films and wow. Um I I I I I will say I never in a million years 
thought I would be screaming at my television, Darcy, they they ate your titty. Yeah. I never thought I would hear myself say that. Uh, but I, I sure love enough. The, I love the, the concept of the movie, especially the, the the concept of the first movie is so good. Like very, very it speaks very much to my uh, OCPD border, borderline autism where he's he has to follow the rules of Halloween. Mm-hmm. Or something bad's gonna happen, and then the, the bad thing happens. It's. <laughs> I was just like, so you got traumatized by Sam growing up from Trick or Treat? What the hell? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> but yeah, the oh, first one, the first one was fun, but that sequel was just, oh my god, they oh, they went all yeah, out dude. for the barn part two. Yeah. Yes. I mean, yes, they did. I need to. I'll probably watch them. The the, the barn movies. Here's my problem now is all the movies that I want to watch, I'm going to want to watch in September and October for spooky mm-hmm. season. So I can't watch the, the both of our movies now. Well, and then go back and watch them like in September, along with Haunt and the Hell House movies and the House That October Built movies, you mm-hmm. know, or unless I just do. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> the other option is I just do that. But... Oh, I love those. I'm glad you watched them finally. I'm and I, I I loved Linnea Quickly's little reference to Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers. That that right. got applause from me when she did that. I was just like, okay, there we go. I I love how her character went from like being this uber Karen to Chainsaw Mama from Hell. That's just <laughs> tearing yeah. everything up. They they definitely have the same reverence and homage qualities that like uh, the scare package movies do yeah where they're obviously huge fans of you know 80s and 90s horror and they were going to shoehorn in every trope every reference everything they possibly could was getting in these movies Mm -hmm. love it yeah they were fun i I had fun with those joe bob played himself basically yeah although that movie he was describing i want to see that I do, I do really like the, um, and I don't know. You'll have to educate me because I, I haven't researched it and I don't know what he's from. But the guy who is the, um, the local access rock and roll show. Oh, that was Ari. Yeah, that was Ari Lauder. He is the first man to ever play Jason Voorhees. Oh, that's why. Okay, that's why yeah, he's familiar. All right. Yeah, he, yeah, he played Jason in the first Friday the Thirteenth movie. Yeah, his character in these movies is so great. Yeah. So good. <laughs> exactly what all of those hosts were like at that period of time. It was mm-hmm. spot on. Like, great. Perfect. No notes. Yeah, it's like when I was seeing the clips of him on that show, I was just like, oh, they're watching the USA Network. Yeah. <laughs> it seemed like something that you would see on the USA Network at that time. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm glad you watched them. I'm going to have to rewatch them. But anyway, we need to watch this movie. We need to watch yes. Phantom Paradise. We need to watch Phantom of the Paradise. Uh, get ready. Get ha- get set. You're going to have some fun. And you're going to also be, in the beginning, lulled into the world of the Phantom of the Paradise by the voice of Rod Sterling himself as well. So, oh, really? Yes. Okay. Movie gets better and better. <laughs> You get Rod Serling, and then you get basically Shauna Na all of a sudden slapping you in the face. <laughs> I mean, the, Rod, sh- I, honestly, though, if before every Shauna Na performance, 
Rod Sterling had a spotlight on him <laughs> and explained Shauna, it would fit. Like that would be something from the Twilight Zone. Like, like we're going to the future where, for some reason, the music that we're listening to right now. There's one band that's still trying to make you popular, and they're kind of succeeding. Have you seen The Electric <laughs> Company? Um, and then you're like, yeah, okay, this is a Twilight Zone episode. Fine. It's pretty much it. I mean, you'll see. I mean, especially when they get to the 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 Beach Boys segment. It's just, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, it's – yeah, and and, and you and in, in true Brian to Palma fashion, you're going to get some split screen foo going on in this film as well. So we get the we get the knockoff stabby stabs. Yes, we get the do we get the off Jalo that we get here from Brian to Palma, and we do also get a setup of Psycho as well, and you'll see what I mean when you watch the film. Okay. <laughs> All right, I'm in. Let's go. All right, get up. We'll be right back after we visit the Phantom of the Paradise. 20th Century Fox presents Phantom of the Paradise, a gothic horror story. What was that? A beautiful love story. A cinematic odyssey through the rock universe. From Greece. To glitter and beyond. The story of a sound, the man who created it, the girl who sang it, the monster who stole it, and the phantom who haunts the paradise, the ultimate rock palace. of the paradise. My music is for Phoenix. Only she can sing it. Anyone else that tries dies. Phoenix. Phoenix. Well, you told me one time that you'd be somebody that you weren't working just to survive. Man, you better get yourself a castrato for this. Paul Williams as Swan. And the angels that I want you to stop terrorizing the paradise and rewrite your cantata. And the Phantom. Phantom of the Paradise. There really is the Phantom, Phantom, Phantom. Hi there, fun seekers! Are you looking for cinema that is absolutely 100% independently made, but also extremely unique and outside of the box? Well, look no further than Troma Pictures and the Troma Now streaming service. Watch.troma.com is your home for everything from Roy Kaufman and his band of very fun individuals. Everything from the Toxic Avenger and beyond at your fingertips. 
Only $4.99 a month, but your first 30 days are free. Did I say free? Yes, they're free. So what are you waiting for? Go to watch.trauma.com and sign up. Also available on your Apple and Android devices, on the Roku stick, and also on the Fire Stick. Let's get freaky! So, so Roy, can I just just dress like Paul Williams for the rest of my life? Yes, do it. I really want to. You dress like Paul Williams for the rest of your life while I sit here sipping on my Coca-Cola Zero Sugar <laughs> Ultimate Limited Edition. Good. Gets better every time. <laughs> every time you do it, man, it's it's you're really refining it. I like it. <laughs> Phantom of the Paradise. Yes. Um, so, thoughts on Phantom of the Paradise? Oh, loved it. It it had real strong Apple vibes. Mm-hmm. Um, only because we're dealing with good and evil in like a in a uh, you know in a disguised fashion. Um, but I really I really enjoyed it. I love I love Phantom in every one of its various iterations, and I love I loved this so much. Like, like you said, you know, I love seeing Dallas on screen. So it's so weird fun. because they never ever really determine what city this is sent in. Because we go to Sing Sing, which is just a groaner of a joke <laughs> when that happens. Yeah, and it, you know, it's it's it, and we all anybody who lives here in Dallas knows that you know when the Phantom falls in the water. Not even the Trinity River looks like that. Uh, no. So, but then you see downtown Dallas, and you see the the you 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 see, you know, the Exxon Mobil building as the studio and everything, yeah. and it's just like, what city is this in? Yeah. <laughs> Definitely a lot of the majestic, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, do they film interiors? Yeah, the interior of the Majestic is used as well. Okay, that's the interior of the Majestic. Okay. And then some soundstage with AstroTurf for the recording studio. Uh, for the right. And, 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 like, completely surrounded by I, what I'm convinced is Daft Punk's entire uh, oh. instrument catalog. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, for sure. That was Giorgio Mordor's uh, living room <laughs> that they filmed that in. Paul Williams' close personal friends with Giorgio. They worked on the Midnight Express soundtrack. I don't know. Filters. Dolby's. (laughs) That was a great scene. I'm surprised Daft Punk hasn't picked that up and just put it in one of their songs. they did. Actually, they did. If you listen to the album uh, Random Access Memories, the song Touch is totally based off the Phantom of the Paradise. But But it's sang by Paul Williams. I looked it up. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck? I was like, no! Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Phantom of the Paradise <laughs> totally influenced Daft Punk, so that's why they brought Paul Williams in on uh, Random Access Memories. But, yeah, that whole entire... I mean, just not only that, but with the, the Phantoms look and everything, it's totally Daft Punk. I, it it's is. Like, I, it's, yes. like, it's like watching this post-Random Access Memories. I'm like, God, I don't know why I didn't pick up the influence there because it's so strong with this movie. Um, but yeah, I mean, 
I love all the performances in this film. It's hard to believe this is Jessica Harper's first film. Right. Because she's so strong in this movie as Phoenix. Um, Paul Williams is basically Paul Williams. Yeah, there's <laughs> nothing going on there. It's just Paul Williams. <laughs> uh, I didn't need, I don't know if I needed two Paul Williams in a bathtub facing each other, though. <laughs> I'm not sure that was that was necessary. <laughs> that was that that was the that was the uh rod sterling's night gallery moment basically but um i love that the the, the the way that we start the film out is we get rod sterling narrating to us yes uh, and you know setting the whole thing up and then boom we immediately get smacked by sha na na um right the juicy fruits the juicy fruits yeah <laughs> there's a lot of tongue-in-cheek greaser music this month for us <laughs> and um then, then we get to winslow who's performing his cantata for faust who is very short-tempered we find out um and then of course you know he gets i mean he, he gets fucked over by the music industry which was like hmm timely right uh, <laughs> remake and, with kesha Yes, exactly. <laughs> that uh, stage performance I wanted. Do a gender flip, make it Kesha, <laughs> put it on stage. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know he gets he, he basically gets fucked over by uh, Swan's uh, label. And he meets he meets Phoenix at an audition, which the audition just turned out to be they wanted to fuck her on a couch. Yeah, weird. Um, uh, yeah, weird audition that they yeah. decided to run with there. Um, I mean, there's just so much that just that opening sequence alone deals with that we're still dealing with today in the music yeah. industry. I'm just like, good God, nothing's changed. Um, well, I still stand by what I texted you, by the way, that, oh, um, that what, what's what's missing from every iteration of Phantom is the horrible mutilation um, that we need to see a la <laughs> the record press. I know, because I mean. The, the closest we ever got to it was uh, not the I guess it would be the Claude Rains one where we don't see the acid thrown in his face, yeah. but it's implied that it's thrown in his yeah, face. I'm sure I'm sure the Robert England one leans into it probably pretty heavily. But I don't remember. But yeah. like I'm I'm like, holy shit, this guy's going through it. Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised he actually survived. After he, his head gets you know smacked by the record press. After he gets all his teeth ripped out. Yeah. And and he has metal teeth implanted, and he and, and his and he gets the worst haircut I've ever seen. And then he breaks into the record studio and tries to explode the uh, the record press. It was a lot. This movie was had a lot going on. They they really packed it in there. Yeah, because because I mean here he is. He's like he's like fumbling out of the re- the record studio bleeding all over himself and then he falls in the water presumably dead which would make perfect sense because i'm like you're falling into the salt water you're toast right (laughs) this is supposed to be the bay you're toast but no he comes back all disfigured and decides to do himself up into some like disco goth character with the (laughs) with the owl mask and the cape and the black lipstick yeah and his one eye black and his one eye black. Oh, yeah. speaking of eye black, all of the henchmen for Swan. <laughs> you, it took me 
almost until the end of the movie to figure out it was like like football player eye black and not just black eyes. I was yes. like, why does everybody have black eyes in this movie? Yeah, that was an interesting choice. I was like, the, the, I think that's the one point where Brian De Palma was like, okay, I'm not going to copy Hitchcock. Let's go Ken Russell. Right. Uh, <laughs> it, was we, good. We, it was a good movie. We definitely got Brian De Palma's split screen foo with yes the um, with the 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 carburetors man moment oh my god <laughs> carburetors that's what and i the stabbing, about and the, the the lots of stabbing um yes. for for i yeah just lots of stabbing for no apparent reason just we got to make sure that we have you know it's the palma so we got to make sure we get a lot of stabbing in there mm-hmm then, um, of course, we can't talk about this movie without talking about Beef, the man who steals the film. Oh, God. Um, Bringing strong Frankfurter meets Meatloaf vibes from yes. uh, from Rocky Horror. <laughs> With some of the most memorable lines in the entire and the way that he delivers what was that is just oh it was a master class yeah what was that (laughs) there were so many syllables and octaves in his delivery (laughs) look i am a professor you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah when he when when the first time we see beef, I wrote you and I was like, what in the, the, what did I say? What in the something meets B Arthur spinal tap meets B Arthur? Is yes. This? <laughs> and the moment I knew that this character was going to be something else is when he's trying to sing the song that's, that oh. is written for a woman. And when, <clears throat> um, when Swan says, uh, no one else can sing it like you. And he goes, you don't know how right you are, Goliath. I was like, here we go! We got a yep. All right. And it is that for the rest of his time in the movie. <laughs> I mean, I will say that, like both of the movies that we've watched, every every song that in both of the movies we watched this month were straight up bangers. Yes. Just great, great songs. Oh, yeah, Paul Williams, I mean, he had so much fun, you could tell, writing the music mm-hmm. first, because he wrote the parody of Shana Na with uh, the opening number, um, the parody of the Beach Boys with Carburetors. Yeah, which is um, weird. And then he, then he kind of, like, created, before even the whole thing with Alice Cooper and Glam Rock took off, he created, mm-hmm. like, this giant glam rock song with something special in you yep and then he gives us the the banger of all bangers which is old souls performed by jessica harper yeah um that one and the other one that she does that uh, really weird dance to after she's done it's like she performs uh special to me half half of it to the camera and then she decides that she's going to do that I, I I don't know what kind of dance I would call it. I, I guess I would say Carol King putting out a fire. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm with you on that. We can agree on that. <laughs> and, 
And then, of course, there's the song that's in the closing credits, The Hell of It, which is just an amazing song, um, which I found out was actually going to be in, uh, originally was written for a scene where they were going to have a funeral for Beef. Okay. But, and uh, his backup singers, who used to be the Juicy Fruits, were going to sing that song. And then Pandemonium breaks loose at the funeral. And that sound that we hear that sounds like tap dancing was supposed to be a woman who jumps up on Beef's casket, casket? and starts, starts tap dancing to audition for Swan. But uh, 20th Century Fox was like, nah, that's a little too much. <laughs> that's a little too much? <laughs> that part? <laughs> I was Paul, like, that's Paul Williams in this movie. Okay. Paul Williams fully realized record desk, which <laughs> goddamn, give it to me. I want to be recording this from inside of a record desk right now. <laughs> Wasn't too much, but this, this is too much. Yeah, that was too much compared to everything else that have death by neon lightning sign. Oh, which was great. <laughs> you know, you know, the, the, which was the movie's falling chandelier moment, basically. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, that was too much. That 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 went just a little too far. You were blowing an entire band and the backup girls up with a with a greased lightning. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But tap dancing on a casket's too much. <laughs> it's great. It's and then that, that, that whole great. finale when it all hits the fan and we find out the truth about Swan and um, every, the sh- literally the shit hits the fan with the with the wedding. I was just like, oh, this is this is an ultimate freak out. Yet the casket is too much. Right. Because you this got movie- like women oh. wearing nothing but feathers and then you've got that one drugged out guy who's like oh i stab with this and starts <laughs> stabbing people out of nowhere the, yeah the movie is so weird like it's great and it's weird i love the costuming in the whole damn thing mm-hmm. it's great i loved the what i i uh, taking pangs from you know cues from now looking at beef's makeup during the production of faust when he has like the choker but it's the glittery blood and then everywhere his his body is supposed to be sewn together frankenstein style is all like the glittery blood dripping it's very rocky horror picture show and this came out before rocky horror picture show it really is yeah yeah there's it it is very i didn't know it came out before yeah. I thought it was probably influenced by, but yeah, it is very Rocky Horror. Very Rocky Horror. Yeah, this came out in 1970. This was one of De Palma's first films. It came out in 1972. So, um, yeah, it was definitely before uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show, but there was a lot of it that screamed Rocky Horror Picture mm-hmm. Show. Oh, for sure. And then yeah. there's just one, there's just, just this one shot in the movie that's basically, if you don't have a sleep paralysis demon, this will become uh. your sleep paralysis demon. And that's the scene when Paul Williams is there to feed the phantom breakfast. And we have that extreme close-up shot of him with the perfectly giant white teeth, agape open, smiling, 
at you. Yes. Like he's about to eat your face. Yes. <laughs> I'm just like, back up, Paul, back up. I mean, for all of the camp that Paul pours into this role, he is a very effective villain. Yes, he is. Like, he does a very good job of being an evil record executive with secret rooms and, uh, like, weird weird places, closed-circuit TVs everywhere, mm. manipulation of, you know, everybody. Like, he does a great job. Like, th- his portrayal is very, very good yeah. of, of, what, of what it is. And honestly, I think that the Phantom's portrayal was very good, too. Like, I think everybody did a great job in this yeah. movie. Yeah, it's just, I mean, I've, I'll, I've loved this film for so many years, and I, I've discovered the film actually when I was in college, and yeah, I was I was told by someone, you ever see you know, Phantom of the Paradise by Brian De Palma? And I'm like, no, and I'm, I'm looking at the artwork, and I'm, I'm just, when you look at the poster, which is just outrageous, um... I'm looking at it and I'm thinking to myself, oh God, what fresh hell is this going to be? <laughs> and I sit down and watch it and I'm like, oh, this is so fabulous. Oh my God. Why wasn't this a bigger hit? Yeah. yeah. And, oh, and, and I, I seriously think this would work on stage, especially oh, it now. Would. Yeah, it certainly would. And it's because like, cause like I mentioned, I mean, just with the first half of the movie by itself before he turns into the phantom it's timely because uh, everything that the film deals with is still happening today. Like you mentioned Kesha, I mean, Kesha's yeah. story is very much what he goes through in yeah. this film. Well, you know, without the, you know, the mutilation of the face, yeah. but yeah, it definitely really is. And I, even the, um, the very polarizing series that HBO max has going on right now, the max deals mm-hmm. with this too. So, yeah, it's. I'm really surprised it's not been turned into a stage production. It, it really deserves it. It would work. Just it would work. That's it all really I'm gonna would. say. Yeah, and it's it's great. It's it's somehow manages to be a a musical, a remake of Phantom, and ex, like like inextricably De Palma at the same time, like like wild wildly De Palma, like costuming, you know, the 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 real kind of way out in the stratosphere, like greasers and the um oh what was the name of the what did the they rename the group to um when they were singing that the the song there at the beginning of Faust. I can't remember. Oh I but can't just, remember now, yeah. Just all of that cutting bodies apart you know, dummies apart in the audience and, and throwing heads around and all of that, just like is inextricably tied in my mind to Brian De Palma. So like they just did a great job. They nailed it. And what like, I love also is, is that, I mean, I mean, Phantom of the Opera, of course, is its main influence, but you could definitely get the story of Faust going on with yes. the signing of the contracts and everything. And then, which is funny because since, you know, the whole thing deals with writing a musical about Faust, Yes. But then out of nowhere, they slap you with the picture of Dorian Gray. Yep. When they you have stab me, middle- it hurts you. Yeah. <laughs> and then you know, there's like this middle-aged woman coming. Don't you remember me? We dated in high school. <laughs> yeah. 
just they did a great job. Like both of the all of the movies we watched were surreal mm-hmm. this month, like surreal musicals this month. And it was great. Like I I am here for every one of them. They're in the especially this and um, Voyage of the Rock Aliens are in my upper echelons of the movies we've ever seen. Nice. Like it's it's very, very good. The press conference, um, the Alice Cooper press conference outside of the plane <laughs> with the coffin, the whole. Yeah, I just uh, uh, line deliveries were were great. Like like I said, Paul Williams was a super effective, campy villain. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you get the manipulation. I love the fact that like all phantoms somehow they have like super strength. I don't know how that happens, but, but all phantoms, all phantoms have super strength. Just everything was, everything was fantastic with this movie. Like no, no complaints. Mm-hmm. No. So complaints. I take it. You would recommend it. <laughs> oh yeah. For sure. <laughs> Top of the list. Like if you're not doing anything tonight, pop that sucker on. It's, it's worth every second of your time. Yeah, I think, I mean, you got the Shot Factory copy, right? Yes, yeah. Okay, yeah, it's still available on Shot Factory. I don't know if it's streaming anywhere. Probably not, because this is a 20th Century Fox movie. So, sure. you know, Disney. Yeah. Um, but I, this is one of those movies where I would dare say just buy it. Yeah. D- don't yeah. even bother watching it first. Just buy it. Uh, if you're listening to this so show, good. buy it. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a must own movie. It really is. It is for sure, no question. I would say both of the movies that we watched as part of our as part of our official watching. I'm not going to say go buy Eileen, but I will say <laughs> I'll probably buy it. But that's for a whole different. That's because I'm a sick sick bastard. But both of these movies that we've watched this month, buy them, especially if you like musicals. Um, just without a doubt, fantastic movies. So this was a good month for us, I think. Yeah, it was. Be interesting to see what next month's going to be for our fifth anniversary, since the wheel chose um, very different movies for us to watch. That sure. Uh, yeah, they chose a palate cleanser and a um, a film that we were kind of like uh on when we first saw it. Right. <laughs> um, and then, of course, is Premutos, which uh, I can't believe we both own on Blu-ray, and that the version we own is restored and uh, and uh, a director's cut. We made well, Roy. We made a mistake, and we're going to follow through with it. That's how it works. <laughs> I haven't even cracked. I haven't even. Like, I haven't either. Take, I haven't taken the cellophane off of it or anything. Um, I, I, I'm just that afraid to. to yeah. Die back into the world of pre-mutos i have two i'm just like oh, i gotta do this sometime when am i gonna do this <laughs> maybe i'll watch it july 4th weekend <laughs> oh. i mean it's got a tank in it why not yeah it's got I a mean... sword i think it has a grenade at one point <laughs> happy fourth of july america here's a german movie here's, uh... a, here's a german war possession movie enjoy it Oh yes, the sword. Thank you so much. That's the oh only thing God. I remember about the movie, besides the the pornographic levels of gore, is just the how the father is just so happy he got this sword for his birthday. Yes. Yeah. Well, we want a sword in it. How do we position a sword? 
Well, let's give it to him for his birthday, and he's going to be super happy about it. All right, that works. <laughs> and then let's just throw in a fucking tank. Yeah, <laughs> drive it right through the wall. <laughs> All right, gang, join us next time when we when <laughs> we discuss pre-mutos on our next episode. Oh. And then we'll also dive into the worlds uh, again of um, uh, the Gate Deceivers and Picnic and Hanging Rock. Yep, let's do it. All righty, see you next time, folks. Bye.